Welcome to another episode of your honor series here on the Heritage Month this March. Today we're focusing on the Eastern region and we're picking a couple of the groups in the region to discuss their history and also look at some places of historical significance. My guest is Kwikuda Kwankura, who I call a polymath. Originally a journalist by training, but he's also a lawyer. He also writes and he's doing very important research in various aspects of our history. Thanks for joining us on the series. Thank you. We're talking about the Eastern region today, and I just wanted you to first start off by giving me a quick overview of the main groups there before we get into specific issues. So first and foremost, I'm a law student. You're a law student? I completed LLB. I've not gone to the so bias. You're not going to the bias. Yes, so someday. And I'll finish the PhD very soon. Then you, you can be called. <laughs> I, I get it. All right. Yeah. Eastern region is very interesting for me. It's one of the most diverse regions in terms of physically seen, mm -hmm. but even in terms of people groups as well. They are quite significant historical groups and also groups there now that are worthy of note. Are they not? Yeah, they are. So, as you said, it is a multi ethnic uh, crucible. So, we do have uh, the Achem. And the Achem, we have the three Achem, the Buakwa. We have the Bosome, and then we have the Kotoku. That make the Achamansa, the three Achim groups. And then we also have the Damwe group in the eastern region. So you have the Maya Krobo, and then you have the Yilu Krobo, mm -hmm. which are also there. Then you also have the, uh, the Ekwapim, which comprises the Hiliguans, and then the Akan migrants in that area. Then you also have Kou, in that area. So those are the... So we have the Achims, who are the Bosomi, Kotoku, and uh, uh, Buakwa. Then we have the Dangbes, Yilo yes. and Manya Krobo, yeah. upper and lower. Yeah. Uh, Kwapims are the Hiliguans, yeah. and then the Akan migrants. Yeah. And then we have the Kwewu. So these are the four. Yeah. The four in fact, groups. there's another ethnic group, uh, which is also a Guan in the Kwewu area. In fact, their language is on extension. I remember the name, but they are still within the Dafram Prince there. But what about the Guans? I know that the um, Hili Guans are a significant part, but I thought that getting closer to the Akosombo areas, there yeah. are other groups in the Eastern region yes, as well. Yes, the Akomu. So the, the Akomu is yes, also there? Yes, the Akomus are there. I see. Yes. So the Akomus are distinct from these four you've described? They are all different. They are distinctive account groups. So talk to me about the Akwamu, who are they? Because in our, what we read in history was that they were very fierce, they were warlike, and for a while, they were so powerful that different groups had to come to fight them because yeah. they were almost undefeatable in war. Yeah. Is this so, correct? Yeah, so that's very true. So the Akwamu by 1630, 1640s, up to a whole lot of, uh, up to uh, by 1730, they controlled, they were the most powerful group uh, among the Akan group, okay, and they, they are power emerged immediately after the Dentra. Why the Dentra? Uh, prior before even the Dentra. So they move hand in hand with the Dentra. So even the Dentra fell along the line, and uh, how do you call it? Akomu were still standing. So who are these people? One may ask, where do they come from to be there? So these Akomu people are part of the Adriana Chia Abrede group. The Adriana Chia Abrede and Chia Abrede group. So the Adriana and Chia, you see all of them, they are assembled as dog. They are assembled. So you see on their staff, a dog sometimes with a bone in the mouth or a dog with fire. 
uh, because they believe that they brought fire to the world, inventors of fire. So when you meet them, you meet them, a Diana person, then you spot Ujaba, that's the child of fire. That's who they are. So they say, Ediana Antria, Ediana Antria Abrede, Aprentrenia Omensio, because they brought water and then as well as fire. That's why they call them Ediana Antria Aprentrenia Omensio. So this group of people, uh, as uh, Akan's migration is well known, also came from the northern corridors and then they passed through and then entered uh, the enclaves of Pra River Basin. When they came to the Pra River Basin, there were autochthonous groups there. I mean, the original or aboriginal settlers that were there. They were 80 uh, autochthons. So when they came to the area, these were the people who are now at Asinukushia. Okay? Uh -huh. They were there. They were used to call them Orenji. They were on the land called Asasetre. Asasetre was then between Himai and then uh, getting to Mokwa. So the other Aboriginal group there were Chufu, Chufu, Etimokwa, then Heman, okay? They were there, and then in Inahim, they were also there in that area. So what happened was that when the Eudiana uh, Abrede came there, they were led by their leader called Nana Ajan Kokobu. So Adenekokobu came to settle there with another uh, group, the Chifu people. Also came with their leader called uh, Nana Mfatiye Amwa. He also came to the area. Mm -hmm. So Mfatiye Amwa and the Chifu were there before the Adriana group came there to settle. So this Adriana group uh, lived there for a very long time, even signed some contracts with the Portuguese back in the day for trade. And then dynastic conflict arise during the time of Nana Usubari and then Nana Otumufo Asari was a blacksmith, so he's called Otumufo Asari. As a result of this dynastic conflict, uh, Nana Otum uh, Asari uh, carved a drum and said, it means I will not worship you again. And then he left the territory. And other groups from Nana Otumufo's group also moved straight to uh, the eastern corridor, so the uh, western corridors. So they went to Hafasin, they are in La Côte d'Ivoire. They up to the north of La Côte d'Ivoire. So when they went, the Dibiana group that went, they went to Saturday, and then Nana Otomfu Asari and his group moved all the way to the eastern region. According to other historians, they are saying when they were on, on their way, moving through the central region, the Fanti saw the long trek of people and they say in Kofuna Umunam Ekwamina Umudosuma. So they became Akwenimufu, people on the road that have a long line of people. That's an interesting point because I've heard other people say the reason they are called Akwamu is because in the time that they were powerful, they were slave raiders and they were waiting in the road to capture migrant groups into Omutetekwamu. So I don't know whether you know of that theory so, of, the, of yeah, that. So well. that is the, in fact, the original version, if you go back to the work done by Roma, Okay, in 1605, he goes on to talk about the fact that when he interviewed Saseku back in the day, that was the name because the, all the other Akanu group, and that was what the Akomus were doing, they were very powerful. So they lie in wait on the paths and then they capture other neighboring groups. And that is one of the main reasons why all the Akanu groups came together in 1730 to fight them. 
So that, I think, even is the true meaning of their name, as opposed to this current revisionist interpretation of the name as people who were on that mm -hmm. long trajectory yeah. uh, of, of migration. But be that as it may, let's continue the story. So, so this Adriana people, Chifu yeah. Himan area, some moved to Hafasini, some moved to Cote d'Ivoire, but the core group moved into the eastern yeah, region. Yeah, the, the group led by Nana Otomofua Asari. So they moved to eastern regional corridors, getting close to the Achams, and then they created their town called Asariman, which has now been corrupted to Isaman Kesi. So it was Asariman Kesi, Nana Asari's big town, and now it's called Isaman Kesi. So while they were there, they moved. There were incursions, and they moved toward the Yanao Hill, which became Yanawasi. They were, in fact, living down below the Yanao Hills. So that's where they were, and they created their pre-colonial kingdom of Akwamu. So they moved down, got to Chifu area, some split and went west, some moved east to Asarimankese, which yeah. became Asarimankese, and then came down through to the Yanao Hill. Yano Hill, which is where they were now settling. settling. So at the height of Akwamu power, we can see they were living within the Yano Hill area. Yeah. And it was there that they became so powerful. And so they started engaging in expansionism. Mm -hmm. So in the expansionism, they were able to move to the northern Crepe, northern water region, and conquer Crepe as the adversary state. They also went to the Anwar area, and they were able to capture some, some part of the Anwar When territory. you say Crepe, Crepe includes the area that is now known as Peki. Peki, yes, and Huawei area. Anumboso, Peki. So yeah. that whole area, the Aquamus were able to conquer. They were, they were able to go under Tobi Kukudei, so it was serving him. And then they moved also to Aguna. They were able to conquer the Aguna in, in central region. Not in central. The Aguna Swedro areas. Okay. That is, yeah. So they were able to under King Yankwekubi. After that, then they also moved to Accra. And then they defeated the Gans. Mm. So the Gans were under Commissioner for over 27 to 30 years. Okay? When they defeated them, and then Gans have to flee from Accra all the way to uh, uh, where it's now called Adeho. That's where they went to keep the stone, as the Gans history will tell you. So Akwamus are fighting Crepe and Angola to the east. They are fighting Agona to the west. They are fighting Ghana to the south. Yeah. Did they ever fight Ashanti and Dentra? No, because of the distance. So you, you, when you want to expand your immediate surroundings, you begin to conquer those people be before you can move further. And then they are neighboring to of the Equiapim, the Guans that were there. They also started conquering the Guan Hills. So the, the Hili Guans were also conquered and they came under the power of Akwamu. So Akwamu at the height of his power, this is in the 1700s? Yes. No, this is in 16 to 17. Uh-huh, it started. So it was at this height that they, they had opportunity to trade directly with the, the Danes, the Danish people at the uh, Osu Castle. And, and because of that power over the Ghana too, they were able to also infiltrate the Ghana state. So some of their people, you can find them in the Otublohum areas, where we call the Otublohum, or, or that's with two people, they are coming also from Akwamu. So that is where they settled. And then in the Osutu, the majority of them also came to settle there. So you have uh, the Omabos, Note Omabos, and all these people from Amanokuru that also trace directly to the Osude. I see. Uh -huh. So that shows you the power of Akwamu. In fact, in 1693, the famous Akwamu warrior, trader, and a royal 
Asameni was even able to use tricks and lead led about 80 armed men pretending to be cooks to overpower the governor Jensen and then and his people and injure many of them. Jensen himself had to flee to Fort Kravakai and for him to rule as a governor of the of the Christabon Castle for a year and even took the keys, which is now uh, material history for the people of, uh, of Akwamu today. This is the Heritage Month our Honor Series. We're looking at Eastern Region, and today our focus is on the Akwamu initially. My guest, we put Akwankra. Fascinating history about the warrior-like group called the Akwamus, who were ensconced in the Yano area, originally from Adriana. The story hasn't ended because apparently they ended up in the Bono region, and we'll talk about that too. But I just wanted to clarify the Asameni issue. So Asameni wasn't actually a chief, he was a royal. He's a royal. And the legend is that he, for a period, conquered Christian's war castle in Osu. Yeah. You're saying at the height of Akwamu power, they were training directly with the Danish. How long was this conquest for? And is he the guy whose um, statue we see when we get to the roundabout when you're driving to Atimpoku? That is it. That's so, Asameni. Yes, that's Asameni. So, Asameni did very well, except that over a year he gave up and negotiated with the Danes and he was paid and he went back. So over a year, the, some of the Akomu people themselves became casualties of war to the Danes and they were sent to U.S. Virgin Islands where they went to rebel and because they were royals. So when they, they themselves were slave raiders, selling people, and then when they found themselves as victims, in U.S. Virgin Islands, which used to be called the Danish Virgin Islands, they engaged in rebellion. That sort of gave them some freedom there. So I see. So how long did Akwamu power last and what led to the decline of Akwamu? So the Akwamu power last because of their capability, military skills, and then war expansionism, as well as skills in trading. So there were a lot of traders. Uh, back in the day, they had a monopoly. And when you talk about the Eastern Seaboard, they were able to capture all the way from Winneba Beach all the way to Keta. Wow. They were controlling that uh, uh, transatlantic trade with the Europeans. Mm. So this gave them a lot of money, ability to also buy ammunition to engage in wars. So this is what gave them more powers. Wow. And based on this, they also engage in extra judicial behavior, doing some things against their neighboring uh, territories. And this will lead to a, a sort of animosity between them and all these So they unified society. the various Akan groups against them? Yes. So over the years, not only Akan groups, even with the Ghana groups, because of their overbearing attitude at the height of their power. Mm. And as a result of this, what we, we saw is that there is, they started to bring about some sort of uh, uh, alliances among this account group. Mm -hmm. So this thing started, as you were asking me from the time, so from the period of 1650s or 1640s all the way to 1730, mm -hmm. Akomu was the power the powerhouse when it wow. comes to the Akan group in the Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. So what happened was that when the overbearing nature reached its apogee, these ethnic groups, particularly the first people to cry about the Akomu's overbearing attitude were the healing ones. So the healing ones invited the Ebuakwa people and then Kotoku people, King, uh, King, uh, the King, uh, King Fempo Mansu of Kotoku, 
So from Pamangusu of Kotoku also called on his Fanti allies, people from the coast. So the Fantis joined, and the people even from, uh, how do you call it, um, Asan also joined. So the Asan sent the Anifahene, Moses Nana, Prajinsam. So Prajinsam also led the Asan group to the area. So wow. that is why there's a work I did for the Kushia people. I write about the Kushia people in the making of the Equipim state and, in, and the independence of Ga and Aguna states. So, uh, so it was like a war of independence. Yes, it was a war of Aquamu independence. Was oppressing all the all, all the people. Mm. So they came in wow. and then they fought. So the, the, the alliances were the Ga, yeah. the some Ewe groups, the the Atum groups. Wow. who were originally the people who were leading the war but needed the yeah. allies. So they came with this alliance group. And the guys, they were fighting for their life because they have been on the Akwamun power for over 30 years and they need their independence. So they want to introduce war at Nsechi. So by 1730, mm -hmm. they were able to conquer the Akwamun groups and chase them until they fled from their, from their community at Yanawase and then cross the river to their current place, they are hiding in the Volta Hills mm. today. Who was Ansa Sasraku? So Ansa Sasraku was uh, one of the powerful chiefs. It was during his time that the war occurred. So if you look at the history of Anumabo, uh, and who came to this war even had the opportunity to take the children of Ansa Sasraku and send them to Anumabo and then marry them. One of them married Bruce, their ancestors today are the Mensa Woods as well as UN Secretary General Kofi Annan mm. through that line. That is why during the celebration of Kofi Annan, you saw the Akomu people coming through Efu uh, Ansai's line mm. of that uh, celebration. So these were the Akomu people. We know that the, in history in school, we are told that the Akwamus helped the Ashantis defeat the Dinchera. But we're also told that eventually the Akwamus fell to the Achims, which is the war you just described, because the Achim mobilized forces. So, I don't want to go into the whole danger. We can do danger on a separate day, but I just want to know the reason between the Aquamus and the Asantis because we're also told that Okonfuanochi was from the Ukugua, which is very close to where the Aquamus were. So, not getting into all of that, what's the relationship between Aquamu power, Dentra power, and Asante power? Were they equally powerful within a certain period, or one's rise led to another's fall? So, the rise will say the Dentra and then Aquamu. And then it interspersed within a period. But the Dentra power we know came to an end by 1700s, mm -hmm. from the 1640s mm -hmm. to by 1697, there was a war between the Ashantis and then, I won't even call it Ashanti because I will call them the pre Ashanti states because they were independent states like Kwaman, Mampong, Kumewu, and others. So it is after the war before they became Ashanti, people have come together because of war these independent states. Mm -hmm. So what happened was that um, that was the connection. So the Akumu power uh, merges with that of the Intra. And then while Akumu was still at their power, Ashanti state also emerged to join. Because we are told And the, Ashanti outlasted yeah. Akumu. You were given the difference between Akumu and Ashanti and Dentra in the sense that you were saying the Akumu were not necessarily interested in statehood. They were more interested in conquering, they were traders, as against Ashantis who were trying to build yes. some... What's, what's the difference so in So when you go, you see that the Ashantis deliberately had a statecraft trying to... And they had a lot of invention, 
bureaucracy, creating certain offices with intention to last. To last. So you see actual state burden, which has been the blueprint that today most of the chieftaincy uh, are taking from. So they built on what Akwamu has done, they built on what Dencha has done, and they, became, they perfected it. And so they adopted better. from both sides yes, and, and created... they also okay. opened their doors mm. for people from various ethnic groups to come in. And then they, under the confinement, they come out with a concept called Obintro Biase. Okay? Wherever you come from, nobody needs to show where you are coming from just to ensure unity. It is just like the Ghana people talking about Ablekuma, Abakuma wall. Last 20 years. Which is how when you go to Mensia, you see different places for different groups and all of that. I just wanted to sort of wrap up on the decline of Akwamu. So it was this war that the Achims sort of led that led to the defeat of the Akwamus. We do know the Akwamus helped the Ashanti against the Dintra. But what I was wanted to do was to wrap up the movement because I've heard people talk about places in BA. For example, Adjoa Ibuafari wrote a book about her father. And if you read the book, she refers to the links between Doma and parts of the Akwamu state, which I do not, I, I, I'm not sure I got, got the full story. So you started from uh, 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 Eduana, Chifu, move to the east, move to the west. Asimankese, you are now in the uh, Yano area. They become a mighty state. They are fighting everybody. At what point did the Akwamus end up in Doma? So after the death of our ancestors, there was a dynastic war. There were two royal twins, which was Atakura Miniampong and then Ubiriyabua. So Atakura was the senior twin and the junior twin was Ubiriyabua. So during the succession period, the Jasehine of Akwamu supported Atakura Miniampong. Why Nana Nkansa, who is the queen mother, also supported uh, Ubiriyabua. And as a result of the skirmishes, because uh, Asasa Seku has chosen uh, a successor. And as a result of this dynastic fight, the Queen Mother joined Obiri Yebua. That is the Doma, the beloved children. And then they moved away from the, how do you call it, Akwamu. And then first moved to Kententrasi, which is at Insawum. And then proceeded to Obami in Kou. And then proceeded all the way to Sontreso in Kumasi, wow. where they got land from the chief of Amakum. Okay, uh -huh. Nana, uh, um, Amakum Akwasa, and he got the land there and they stayed there. Wow. So it was why they were, in fact, before they even come there, they first moved to um, Santimansu Esumija, or Asante is called Santimansu Esumija, where they went to, that is the cradle of Ashanti state. Most of the Ashanti people moved from Santimansu Esumija to where they are today. So it was there they met the Wamfi people before they moved to Suntreso to go and settle. At Suntreso, they, they were there before the Kwaman people from Kokofu came to the area. And when they came to the area, they were given land by uh, the Amakom people, who were uh, Asania people. They gave land to the Oyoko people to settle on. But Amakom, uh, the Suntreso people thought they were there, the Diana people, who had come from Akobi via uh, Santimansu Isumiya, thought that they had the land before. So one of the elderly women from Indiana went to uh, weed on that land or try to have a plantation there. And Otia Kenten gave her warning that that land belongs to uh, Otia Kenten being the, being the, uh, the Kwaman chief, the chief of Kwaman, because that time Asante State has not emerged. And as a result, he killed this woman 
And then if the place became an ogu, if you don't read, you won't die. That is the name in oh, the Kumasi, no. Anogu. And that place is where the Kumasi castle is at now. Wow. So that place is called Anogu. So they were able to capture that land. And this thing hurt the Akomu Ebiana group that have come to the area. So under their chief, Nana Chairman Sukafu and others, they wage war, one of the uh, Akomu uh, Ebiana chiefs, they wage war against um, how do you call it? Otia Kente. Uh, no, then Otia Kente left and Obili Yabua came. Okay. So within that war, that was fought at Abesim area, they were, the, uh, uh, sorry, Suntrasu area, Akomus were defeated. Uh, uh, sorry, Obili Yabua was killed in that war. By an Ashanti Oriya tradition said, he didn't die. He, he went home. His son, uh, uh, Nana Sabin, who is Obili Yabua's son, Took him to the house before he died there. But this was a very serious issue. So when his nephew, Opemuswa uh, Osetutu, came to the throne, he engaged in a retaliatory war. And then he went to war with uh, the Domina people or the Doma people. And they were able to defeat the Doma in the war fought at Abyssin. So they are, then were forced to move up towards the Sunyani area. Yeah, so when the war occurred, that time, the chief was Chemesikafu, so Chemesikafu really became the sole washer, okay, Kredurafu of the Asantehene. And so those who remain, they have to move away because they've been defeated. So they move all the way, passed through the Abyssin areas, some went to Dama, and then founded the Dama state. Others went to the German, and then founded the German state. So it's almost like full circle, because they are Adriana, they are Akan. They move all the way down, spread their way, come into the Yano area, become a great empire, get defeated, move again, get into Ashanti, and eventually go back to the Bono area, yeah. which eventually is where they all came from. Because yes, if you ask, the migration from the north. So it's almost like <laughs> they've completed the yeah. migratory pattern. That, that's quite interesting. So <laughs> people from Doma are Aquamus. Or no, you can't see that. You can see people from Doma are. Indiana people, yeah. but they, they ha in their history is Aquamu. Yes, so they move. So you will start the journey from Kefo Hemai, where the Dianes originally settled, before moving to Esamankasi, then to Danyano, where they founded their kingdom. Then from there straight to Asantimansu in Sumia, from there to Sontresu in Kumasi, then move all the way to find the Doma and the German kingdoms. Wonderful stuff from Kweku Dakwankra. First uh, insight into the eastern region, trying to understand the various groups. We've learned a few things. The Akwamu became very powerful in Ghana in the late 17th century, or what is then was then the, the Gold Coast. Now we're talking the period of their decline and where they ended up. We'll thank you for watching today's episode. We'll come back with another one next time. My name is Ben Stay with us.